Wondery Plus subscribers can binge new seasons of American Scandal early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. From Wondery, I'm Lindsey Graham, and this is American Scandal. Today, we wrap up our series on the Unabomber. Between 1978 and 1995, Ted Kaczynski led a campaign to stop the advance of modern technology. Kaczynski was a former math professor, and as an undergrad at Harvard, his life was profoundly changed after he took part in a brutal psychological experiment. Kaczynski was left bitter and bent on getting revenge at scientists and those he believed were advancing technology. So he began mailing and planting bombs across the country. This campaign would kill three people and injure many more. He was known by the FBI as the Unabomber, and the manhunt to find him lasted nearly two decades. It would become the longest and most expensive case in FBI history. The publication of Kaczynski's manifesto in 1995 led to a break in the case when Kaczynski's brother, David, noticed similarities between the manifesto and his brother's letters. Soon, agents arrested Kaczynski in his cabin in rural Montana. The Unabomber case was a milestone for the FBI, but Kaczynski also had a large influence across American culture. His manifesto, titled Industrial Society and Its Future, featured a scathing critique of science and technology. Kaczynski argued that industrial life was destroying the human spirit and the planet. It was an argument that gained traction with a variety of movements, including radical environmentalists and those who reject civilization. Today, I'm speaking with John H. Richardson, a journalist and author who's written about those movements. While working on a story about environmental activists, he also began exchanging letters with Ted Kaczynski himself. We'll talk about Kaczynski, his vision of a perfect world, and how his message might still resonate today. That's next. American Scandal is sponsored by Audible. A room locked from the inside. A dead body, but no signs of injury or struggle. The deceased, a devoted family man, successful industrialist, and generous philanthropist. Everyone around him seemingly innocent, but hiding a secret past. In four sentences, I've grabbed your attention. And this is the power of classic mysteries and thrillers from Audible. Like Esquire Magazine's number one best mystery novel of all time, Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. As an Audible member, you can choose one title every month to keep forever from the entire catalog of classics, bestsellers, new releases, and Audible originals, ready for listening whenever, wherever on the Audible app. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash AS or text AS to 500-500. That's audible.com slash AS or text AS to 500-500. Dell TechFest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. 
That's dell.com slash deals. John Richardson, welcome to American Scandal. Good to be here. Let's start with Kaczynski's manifesto. It's 35,000 words long, and in it, Kaczynski focuses on two main ideas. I was wondering if you could tell us what they are. Well, basically, that technology is uncontrollable because it's uh, too large a system to be uh, controlled by any entity or governing body or anything like that. And it's really in control of the world rather than us uh, making the decisions, driving things forward, whether we want it to or not. And that it's uh, going to be a disaster for humanity and that it should be stopped. 35,000 words is a long time to spend on just those two or three points. How far into detail did he get? Well, I mean, he, he talks about uh, organizing and uh, ideas of primitive life and a lot of different aspects of the critique. He talks about how technology and civilization, in his opinion, causes psychological illnesses and makes people, as he calls it, feral. He talks about the difference between left and right and how they fall into the spectrum of his analysis. I mean, he goes into a lot of subjects. The history of anti-technology glosses into a little bit. He's certainly not the first person who's had these ideas. But basically, the thing that distinguishes his book is that it's a it calls for revolution and something to actually be done about it rather than just being a social analysis as other scholars and thinkers have done over the last couple centuries. Well, if we presume that revolution does come, did Kaczynski have any cohesive vision of, of his utopia? What would it look like to live in the world he wanted to see? He talks about primitive life as a sort of hunter-gatherer kind of ideal, but I'm not sure that that's something that he particularly posits as something that would be pleasant. And he doesn't seem all that interested in exactly how anti-civilization would be constructed after some kind of collapse. He's really more interested, I think, in the critique of how technology, in his opinion, both makes us helpless, robs us of agency, and is getting larger and larger and more and more destructive. That's the critique he's more interested in, I think, than what life should look like. I find that surprising, given that um, we all know Ted Kaczynski because of his his acts of violence in order to enact a revolution. Well, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think that he reacted to the incursion of roads and housing and cabins and stuff like that into his wilderness in a very emotional and angry way. It was, uh, he says himself, his reaction was wanting revenge. It, some people say that he came up with the philosophy later to justify his killings. In my opinion, I mean, he he obviously had those kinds of anti-civilization ideas because he went to live in the woods in the first place. And I think it was a, a combination of emotional and reaction mixed with with a growing political conviction that civilization was the enemy. Now, if you look at his... Um, thoughts about revolution that he's written, 
this is not consistent with killing people randomly. That's not a tactically effective thing to do. It never has been, particularly unless you just want to cause chaos. So his acts are not consistent with that more, you know, what you might call, if you wanted to, mature philosophy, where he does the whole social critique that sort of puts his acts in context, I guess. Well, let's stick with a manifesto. In, in 1995, it was published in the Washington Post and reached an international audience. Do you have an idea of what the public reaction was to his ideas? Well, at the time, uh, I mean, there was the popular reaction, which was weird hermit killer. And there was a, a more sort of a counterculture Ted for president campaign. Then there was a sort of a, some serious academic critiques looking at it by people in Places like the New York Times uh, by important physicists and technologists and have been all ever since. So I think all of those are sort of completely different Ted Kaczynski's. Could we characterize uh, those that took the manifesto seriously as a sort of following? Well, I, I think there's definitely been people who have been seeing him as a inspiring figure or, or sympathetic or uh, of the similar mind. So definitely, I mean, in Foreign Policy magazine a couple of years ago, it's they argued that there were a couple thousand committed, ready-for-revolution, anti-civ people in the U.S. I have no idea whether that's right. And, there, you know, there have been consistently groups overseas making the same claims, some who explicitly are Kaczynski-inspired. But I wouldn't overstate it. I don't think there's any kind of revolutionary army out there waiting to make an attack. And most people who are anti-civ these days are, are aware of Kaczynski, but are not necessarily directly, you know, acolytes of him. I mean, a few people would in- admit to that. Well, you have an interesting relationship with Kaczynski yourself. In, in 2016, you wrote to him. He was uh, still in a supermax prison in Colorado serving uh, concurrent life sentences. Where he remains. Yes, where he remains. Why did you reach out to him? I'd been covering climate change stories for uh, a mag- Esquire magazine for a few years. And during the course of that, I became aware of people who had sort of given up hope that there would ever be any effective global uh, action against it. And when you start to look at those people, you end up stumbling across the Kaczynskiites because it's sort of like, we told you so. So I became, I started looking at that and it reminded me of somebody I'd met a decade before who had espoused those ideas. And so that intrigued me, I guess, the connection with the person, actual person I knew uh, and liked. Uh, so I just started uh, interviewing people as a reporter does, thinking maybe there was a story there. And um, eventually I ended up writing to him. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath, then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. 
And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. For most people uh, who perhaps are not reporters, it's not a natural course of things to uh, to reach out to a, a mass murderer. How did how did that feel? Well, I've done you know I've done killers and gang stories before. I was a crime reporter for a while. It's not that far out of uh, what I I would normally do. I did a story where I spent a week with a hitman from the Sinaloa cartel. I mean, that's what you do. Well, in this instance. What did you talk about? Where, where did the conversation go? Gee, it's been a long time since the beginning. I mean, first I was just saying I was interested in doing a story about him and his followers and his ideas and all that. And he was uh, dismissive and <laughs> a bit contemptuous uh, of my magazine. But he was pretty funny about it. He quoted Paul Goodman. He said, as I understand it, Esquire is a magazine that goes around and around and ends up coming up with no real point in its articles. So we batted that one around for a couple letters and, and basically tried to, I tried to get him to continue writing and respond and play it out. And uh, he's, like I said, dismissive. He's very sort of aloof in a lot of ways, certainly at first, and then, and I just kept trying. Well, I can imagine anyone in Kaczynski's place, and certainly of, of his temperament, being aloof and dismissive of, of the press, but but like you said, you kept at it. Um, did you gain any notion of Kaczynski as, as a person, as the, as perhaps the, the, the relationship warmed? Well, uh, I mean, he definitely has a sense of humor. He's funny in an acerbic kind of uh, English prep school way. He's very scholarly. Uh, I mean, his letters have footnotes and citations and uh, page references to my letters or to whoever he's writing to. He's He tends to be cool, cool temperament, uh, if you've read his book, you know, he, he is a mathematician. He tends to be sort of hyper-rational. It's kind of like being with a guy in college who's really smart and you're batting things around and he's he's uh, sort of snotty and superior and makes you work t- for your end of the conversation. Did you get the any feeling that he enjoyed writing you? There were times when he said things that were not 
just in the course of response or all of that. I mean, we, we talked about music and uh, boats, uh, things that were off topic sort of about revolution and technology, although it always sort of crept in there. And when, it, when it was, sometimes you could get quite antic and sort of like boyishly f- wanting to have fun with it, like language-like, you know, p- playing with language, playing with uh, fanciful concepts about adventure. I, I mean, I don't know. It was just, it was kind of unexpected. You never know what a person is really like, and people can create personas and letters, but he, he seemed to me... You know, not really much different than anyone else that you would be corresponding with, except for the, of the notoriety of his case and the peculiarity of his intellect. I suppose it was inevitable that the two of you spent some time discussing politics and the idea of political revolution. Certainly, 2020 has been a year fraught with charge politics. Did Kaczynski have anything to say about the current moment? Well, he's not a big admirer of Trump, uh, and I sort of spoke of his administration as uh, grifters and thieves. Uh, those are not his exact words. He, w- he once said that if he had been able to vote in 2016, he would have voted for Hillary, which I thought was kind of funny. I think that although he devotes a lot of time to hating liberals or leftists, rather, in his his manifesto, his sympathies are probably more in that direction than, than it, with conservatives, uh, at least today's version. He's very interested in developments in technology and stuff like that. He, I, that's one of the ways that I got his interest, I guess, is I would write to him about developments in data mining and surveillance technology and things like that. Yeah, certainly since he was arrested, quite a few things on the technological horizon have changed. Social media appeared and uh, advanced artificial intelligence. Did this just confirm his suspicions? Oh, no, yeah. No, and actually, if you look at the manifesto again, there's a, there's a surprising amount of stuff that is really does seem prophetic. He, he talks about those kinds of technological surveillance, military robot-type developments, uh, genetic engineering. It was a big concern for him, the idea of designer babies and uh, just a general, you know, more and more departure from the natural world. Um, I had done some pieces on, on computer algorithms and robots and and. So I think he's interested in that stuff, and that was we were able to talk about it. One thing that's probably not changed much in his time in prison is his actual accommodations. Uh, he's used to small, cramped quarters, but but how has he found prison? You know, he's not the kind of person who complains uh, about physical discomforts or anything like that. He, I, actually, I, I tried to sympathize with him once because I had read an article about conditions there, and it said that it was terribly cruel because it was designed so that prisoners could never see the sun in maximum security. And so I said, yeah, I read that. That's terrible. What a horrible situation, especially for you. And he wrote back and he said, 
you're a journalist and you believe everything you read. What an idiot. <laughs> I can see the sky. And then he talked, gave me a little lecture on the different cell blocks and, and, and what the rules were and all of that. So he's not looking for sympathy. He's uh, sort of a, an honest broker in that regard. I, he mostly seems very frustrated about time, research materials, ability to correspond as much as he would like, and stuff like that. Often when I write to him, he's, he says he has very little time to respond, or he's working hard to get something done. He's writing another book or something like that. In all these years, did you get any feeling that his time in incarceration has changed his views uh, about his manifesto, his mission, or his crimes? I mean, he's not the kind of person who would reveal that necessarily. If he has any remorse about his killings, I don't think he would say so because it would be like an unseemly reach for sympathy or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would, he would want to play that card. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. In your writing, you pointed out that Kaczynski's papers are a popular attraction at a University of Michigan archive. Who is still interested in Kaczynski's ideas there? Well, you know, there's a lot of people on Facebook, lots of weird groups that reference Kaczynski, and it's hard to say how many people are involved, although some of them get, uh, I saw one with 100,000 hits. Again, as I said, there's a lot of people who are very Kaczynski-esque, who deny or disavow or just won't talk about Kaczynski in the sense that there's that sort of potent, valence around him that suggests to me that he's on people's minds if they keep saying he's not on their minds. But but there's also like explicitly there's, you know, a terrorist group in, in Latin America and there's groups uh, who are more active in the U.S. who who aren't committing violence but who might be in favor of it who are you know, using his name or referencing him because it's so explosive, you know, practically quote him uh, in their own works. I think um, uh, there are people who are trying to live off-grid, which is sort of an overlap with preppers. There's people who are sort of doing legal thinking. There's people who are fighting pipelines and sympathetic but have more immediate environmental concerns. It's, you know, it's a big spectrum. But it's irrelevant in a way to say, are they Kaczynski inspired? Because in a way, that's just saying, are these people associated with this person with this troublesome reputation? But the overlap of ideas, the critique of technology, the desire for revolution, things that he put together in one explicit 
very forceful package for the first time, I think, have been are, are being mirrored by contemporary thinkers. Sure, I think that's a fair point that that a confluence of ideas, uh, a, a similarity of ideas, does not in, indicate a uh, an endorsement of Kaczynski. But uh, you know, in in 2018, you wrote an article in, in New York Magazine about a generation of people who have been influenced by Kaczynski. And you uh, you coined a term Kaczynski moments. What did you mean by that? Well, I was I was thinking of a couple of things. One was a young man I'd met who told me about reading the manifesto for the first time, and it was the cover had been torn off. He didn't know what it was. He just started reading it as an innocent person who was interested in anarchist ideas and all that. He was sympathetic to the general concept. And he got a, a little while ways in, and he thought, this is, like, brilliant. It's genius. And he got a little farther in, and he figured out, oh, my God, this must be Ted Kaczynski. And it was a shock. And I think that that's really why I wrote the story, because the, I saw that shock replicated on other people. There's a famous essay by Bill Joy, uh, the founder of Sun Microsystems, I think. Uh, and he knew a person who had been uh, wounded by one of Kaczynski's bombs, and was, but ended up somehow having that same experience where somebody handed him some Kaczynski writings from the manifesto. And he said, wow, this is completely right. And then turned the page and saw Kaczynski's name and, and felt this shock. Like, how could I agree with this killer? And that sort of just really caught my imagination and I think it's, I guess, because it stands for this sort of shock that comes when you realize how uh, climate change is uh, seems uncontrollable by the systems designed by man. I think I'd be captivated, too, in these Kaczynski moments, these these times in which people find themselves horrified to agree with the thoughts of a murderer. So there is this difference, this divide between Kaczynski, the murdering hermit, and Kaczynski, the thinker. But Kaczynski wanted a revolution, and uh, still revolutions are, are pretty rare things, even though radical thought you know, has brought them about in the U.S., in France, Russia, China. Um, Kaczynski is not a Jefferson or a Robespierre, a Lenin or a Mao. Um, so how influential in his thinking was Kaczynski really? Well, I mean, I'm not, he, it's clearly, you know, the overwhelming majority of humanity has zero interest in his thoughts. Uh, I, uh, my, my sense has always been that when there are subterranean things happening in the culture that haven't really been out in the clear yet, uh, there it's sort of stewing away in in people's minds in inchoate and not very well worked out ways, and I think it tends to be people who aren't like super well attached to normal life, conventional life, who tend to sort of receive what is happening in the culture, these unsaid things. Uh, I, I think that it goes throughout history. People who are sort of prophets and uh, visionaries are not necessarily the normal guy who shows up to the office at 8 a.m., you know? Uh, so I'm interested in phenomenons in, uh, of 
different thinking, you know, canaries in the cold mine kind of thing. And so looking at what is undeniably a huge growth in, in sort of all sorts of varieties of not anti, but a-civilizational things like these primitive life gatherings that have really gone from a few in the 80s to hundreds now, uh, the whole prepper movement, all the various forms of simplicity and wellness and back to the land and, and a living light on the earth and all of that. There's, there's a lot of that kind of thinking growing and some of it is more radical than others in in other countries where they have more radical more alive radical traditions there is violence and bombings and and, and murders with a strong anti-civ message and sometimes a, a explicitly kaczynski-ish message also i mean the idea that there's a couple thousand of them in the states you know as a point Dr. Kaczynski makes often is that the Russian Revolution was accomplished by 6,000 Bolsheviks. What Kaczynski's practical advice has come down to is wait for the right moment and hit a critical point in the infrastructure or the system, uh, and you might be able to create a chain effect that brings down the system. So we return, I guess, to this tension that Ted Kaczynski, the thinker, might have had something that we should pay attention to. But Ted Kaczynski, the activist, the revolutionary, uh, is someone we should rightfully revile. No, I wouldn't go that far. I think the feelings you may have about the judgments we may have and I may have about his behavior are kind of irrelevant to what... The disturbance that he felt, which is being felt, I think, by many more people as climate change and ocean acidification and species extinctions accelerate. So he was an extraordinarily rational man uh, who was like so rational that he went over the edge and said he looked at what was happening in the history of technology and how it had grown and efforts to control it and scientific ethics and what they've done over the years. And he said, this is, a, this is just going to get worse until it all falls apart. And he wrote that in the 90s, uh, as people, other people were warning, uh, as far back as a century. But, but, but when you see that he was so disturbed at that time, and you see that a lot of the things that he's predicted are coming true and that other people are being disturbed by them, the question isn't whether how we feel about Ted Kaczynski. The question is, what are we going to do about the Ted Kaczynski's that are going to come? Because his reaction is not like one of a kind. It, people, I, I've always felt that when things start getting bad and, and people connect it, uh, the wildfires and the flooding and everything else, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who become unhinged. And a lot of them are going to become unhinged in that way because that model exists, even whether, whether it has his name attached to it or not. He's more like a, a case study in a way than to talk about right and wrong or anything else. John Richardson, thank you for speaking with me today. But thanks for having me. That was my conversation with John H. Richardson, a journalist and author of the book, My Father the Spy. Next on American Scandal, 
we bring you an encore presentation of our series on the Iran-Contra affair. In the 1980s, Washington, D.C. was hit with a sensational scandal. Stories began to emerge about illegal weapons sales abroad and an attempted international coup. And as the scandal unfolded, it would threaten the presidency of Ronald Reagan and lead to a high-stakes showdown with a special prosecutor. From Wondery, this is episode five of five of the Unabomber from American Scandal. In our next series, in the 1980s, Washington, D.C. was hit with a sensational scandal. Stories emerged about illegal weapons sales abroad and an attempted international coup. It would come to be known as the Iran-Contra affair, but as the scandal unfolded, fingers pointed to the very top, reaching into the Oval Office of the White House. This episode contains reenactments and dramatized details. And while in most cases we can't know exactly what was said, all our dramatizations are based on historical research. American Scandal is hosted, edited, and executive produced by me, Lindsey Graham, for Airship. Audio editing by Molly Bach. This episode was produced by Susan Vallett. Our senior producer is Gabe Riven. Executive producers are Stephanie Jens, Jenny Lauer Beckman, and Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice. Only on Freebie. Freebie.